The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 51 The Days That Never Were 1864 October 31st, Carson City, Nevada. Found by Euricity after the death of his father, sitting on the kitchen table in Euricity's cabin, written on a blank page, torn from the back of his mother's Bible, sat this letter. Luke, I'm sorry. Not for what I've done today. What I have done today may be, finally, the best thing I have ever done. Today, I acted like a father. What I'm sorry for is that it took me this long to figure out what that meant. I should have been there for you when you grew up. I should have been there for your mother. I loved her. I really did. But like everything in my life, I neglected her so I could go off and play revolutionary. The funny thing is, I dream now of the days that never happened. I dream about taking you out on your first hunt, of teaching you the things you learned on your own. I dream of listening to your mother sing. She would sing when she thought no one was listening. Her voice was soft and beautiful, and it haunts me now. I never did those things. And all the days that should have been never were, because I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know what it meant, until like so many things, you showed me. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry I taught you nothing but how to kill and how to be a killer. It was the only thing I knew. Until you taught me something different. You taught me what it meant to care for a family. How you watch over and protect that child. And in all honesty, how you watch over and protect me, whether I need it or not. Your girl was here. She explained everything. Who she was, what the two of you were planning, and how it had all gone wrong. Don't blame her for what I have done. She made me promise to run, to take you and Edgar and hide again. She explained to me that they would never stop looking for the Reaper, that she had done her best to hide your identity, but it had been impossible to hide mine. I promised her we would leave. I promised her if I had to tie you up, I would get you out of Carson City. I lied to her. But she wouldn't leave until I promised, so I told her what she needed to hear. Also, I promised to tell you she found Ulysses. I don't know what that means. She told me you would. I took your gun from you. If you can follow an order for once, you won't need it anymore. Here is my last order. Be there for my grandson. Be his father. Be his mother. Be whatever he needs you to be, and don't you dare leave him like I left you. 
I'm taking your gun. I'm taking your uniform. I am taking your place. I'm going to give them what they're hunting for. The Reaper must die so that you and Edgar can live. I know you will. I have faith in you. You are a good man, Luke Perdue. And you are my son, Jonathan. Orpheus found Colin and Henry in the stable where they kept their horses and cart. Colin had a saw, a hammer, and some nails, and he was working with the cart. He was tearing apart the wood that the ring had been made of. This is the best idea you could come up with. Wouldn't that money be safer in the bank? Henry said to Colin as Orpheus approached. Hey, kid, what are you grinning about? Colin asked, ignoring Henry as he looked over his head to see Orpheus. I met a girl, Orpheus reported. No shit. An honest-to-God flesh-and-blood female. Well, don't hold back on us. What's her name? Colin asked. I don't know, replied Orpheus. Where does she live? Colin tried again. I don't know that either, Orpheus explained. Okay, that's not important. How about an easy one? What color is her hair? Asked Henry. She was wearing a bonnet, so I don't know. Well, let's hope she's a redhead. Redheads fuck like bucking broncos, added Colin. For a moment, everything went silent as Orpheus and Henry just stared at him. What? You like men, Orpheus said carefully. Yeah, but I've had girls before. I was engaged in Ireland before I broke that engagement to come to America. Was she a redhead? asked Henry, with the sound of irritation in his voice. Damn right she was, and hot as a fucking skillet, Colin replied. Lee, what do you know about your girl? Henry asked, ignoring Colin. Well, she is tall, she is from the south, and she robbed the bank. What? asked Henry. I told you. Colin pointed to Henry. Those banks can't be trusted. If they get robbed, then your money just disappears. And do they care about guarding it? No. They're not going to trade their life for your money. So they just let bandits take it. It's all a big fucking scam. It's safer than just carrying it around with us all the time, Henry explained. No one knows where it is, and I will guard it better than anyone else. Besides, tonight, we're going to have to get out of here as fast as we can. We probably won't be able to come back to Carson City. We're going to burn this place hard, and they're never going to forgive us. Fine. You won't listen to me. You don't need my help. You don't need my advice. Apparently... You've got this all figured out for once. I'm going back to the hotel. Maybe the two of you can go trolling for redheads when you're done with the cart. Henry stormed out of the barn. What was he upset about? Asked Orpheus. He's just mad. I finally won an argument. Explained Colin. Why would we have to leave? When I win the fight, the money is ours. You do think I can win, don't you? You can win. This guy is tough, so wear him down. Stay calm and break him one piece at a time. First his fingers, then his elbows. Pull apart his defenses. 
then go for his nose, his ears, his neck. If you can make it look like an accident, break his toes. None of those things alone will stop him by themselves, but combined, it should do the trick. Don't let him hit you, not even once. Colin instructed. But if I win, we're still going to run. This fight is straight. I'm not pretending to be German or French or anything. A lot of people bet a lot of money on this fight, probably more than they can afford. They're absolutely certain you're going to lose. When you win, they're not going to accept it. They're going to want their money back, even if they have no right to it. We are leaving immediately after the match. Henry will have the cart ready and waiting during the match. The moment it's over, we're gone. All of us. And the money. That's what I'm doing with the cart. I'm using the wood from our ring to build compartments, to hide the money. To get it out, we'll have to tear the cart apart. There's no strong box to steal. There's no bags of cash and coin. If you don't know it's here, you won't be able to find it. So everyone will think we put it in the bank. This is it, kid. After this fight, it's over, and we're going east to Colorado. Colin, I wanted to talk to you about after the fight. Yeah, kid? I don't think I want to go to Colorado. Huh? I think I'd rather stay here in Carson City. Is this about your girl? No. I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't feel like fighting people anymore. I want to play music. I want to find a way to make a living doing that. You'll have enough money. You don't need to make a living doing anything. You can play music all you want in Colorado. For you and Henry? Are you going to sit up every night and listen to me so that I can have an audience? For you, kid, it would be an honor. I want to be on stage. I want to get my chance to see how good I really am. It's not going to be safe here in Carson City. Why don't we take you to Denver? That's going to be our first stop, at the assessor's office there. That's where we'll find an open plot of land we can settle. We won't leave until we've set you up performing somewhere. Then, you'll know where we are should you want to come visit. I could go to Denver. But if I did that, how would I... Orpheus stopped. This is about the girl. You just met her. What makes you think you'll ever see her again? She has to find me. I have her gun. Timothy stood in front of the medical tent. Around him, covered by blankets, were the soldiers who died at the bank. There were thirteen in all. He stepped into the tent, and there, on the table, laid Jonathan Perdue. The doctor, a captain, a colonel, and several lieutenants stood around him. Lieutenant, you're here. It's about time. I need you to confirm. You're the only person to have seen the Reaper before. Is this him? The colonel asked. Timothy stepped up to the table. He looked at the man. Same beard. Same height. He looked a little different, lifeless, but it was the same man who'd lived in the cabin that Lucy had been visiting. Yeah, this is him. This is the Reaper, Timothy claimed. Sir, just let me explain. This isn't him. It can't be. The uniform doesn't fit. He ripped it so that he could wear it. Ajax, who was assigned to assist the doctor, explained. 
It's been some time since he was issued this uniform. Maybe he grew, explained Timothy. He grew taller. He's 45. Also, the uniform is a private's uniform. Jonathan Perdue was a commander. What are you saying? Asked the colonel. What I'm saying is, this man isn't the Reaper. Maybe he was a friend of the Reaper? I don't know. But there's no way this man worked alone. Maybe he was just a bank robber. There is only one Reaper. Timothy protested. Was there? There are thirteen men dead. He only had two guns with him. If he made every shot count, then at the most he could have killed twelve. How did he kill thirteen men? Maybe the bullet passed through one man and hit the man behind him. The angle of entry on the colonel and the sheriff would imply that the shots came from above. Maybe they were bending over, taking cover from fire. Then it would look like the bullet came from above. Timothy explained. This was his moment. He was the hero that had led them to killing their greatest single enemy. He would not let some assistant coroner take that from him. We all want an end to this nightmare. But we want to be sure it is the end. Lieutenant, look one more time. Is this the Reaper? Asked the colonel. His identity was confirmed by Lucy. And we've been tracking him for two weeks. This is him. There is no denying that. This man is the one and only Reaper, Timothy insisted. Thank you, Lieutenant. The General wishes to see you. You are dismissed. The Colonel explained. Timothy turned and walked from the tent. Outside of the tent, standing by the hitching post, was Philocides. From his holster, he pulled the single-action army pistol that had been left behind, the one that Jonathan had kept for himself. He placed it back into his holster. Then, quicker this time, he pulled it out again, pointing at nothing. He continued to practice this motion, putting it away, pulling it out, putting it away, pulling it out, faster and faster each time. He knew that it had been his shot that fell the reaper. He believed this weapon was by right his, a trophy of his skill, and each time he pulled the weapon, he whispered softly to himself, Bang. Timothy entered the general's tent. It was quiet, and there were no other men swarming about as usual. The table with the map was overturned and broken, the tiny pieces scattered about the floor. There were papers and books tossed aside, and the general sat drinking a glass of whiskey, with a crystal decanter sitting within reach on his desk. Lieutenant, come here, the general instructed. He pointed to a chair that faced his desk. He poured a second glass of whiskey and put it within reach. Have a seat. Have a drink. We need to talk. Sir, the Reaper is dead, Timothy reported as he sat. I'm aware, but that's not what we need to talk about. The problem I'm having now is that we need a new plan. Everything that passed between me and that treacherous bitch is now suspect. I will deal with her in time, but I need a new intelligence officer. Are you up for the job? Sir, you want me to take her place? Temporarily. If you prove yourself worthy, you can keep the position. I'm promoting you to commander. Thank you, sir. Your first assignment will be to test those things that woman told us. 
Do you know who Aaron Miller and Handsome Jim are? The boxers, yes. Here's a billfold. You will find enough money in it. Go buy yourself a ticket to the match. Go in civilian clothing. Don't bring any identification. I want to test whether or not anything Lucy said was true. If it's true, then I will still attempt to recruit the boxers. If it's not, well, then it won't matter. Sir, how am I supposed to test them? Timothy asked. Agamemnon opened his drawer and pulled from it a small revolver. He set it next to the wallet. I want you to go to the match. I want you to shoot the Invincible Man. And while you're at it, shoot the Colorado Kid, too. Sir, you want me to wound them? No. Shoot to kill. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse. Written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.